health naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. Dennis, we're going to talk about homeopathy mm. a little bit uh, later indeed. on, but Leonie has rung in from Madawi. Now, you're after, well, something that'll help you with cholesterol. Is that right, Leonie? Yes, that's right. Thanks, Jane. Hello, Leonie. How are you? Hello, Dennis. Well, thank you. Well, that's good. Lovely to talk to you. You you have a cholesterol problem, do you, Leonie? Yes, I do, and the doctor did put me on statins, which mm. I don't want to take, mm-hmm. and I do have it down, but I was wondering if okay. there was something natural that will help keep it down. Well, look, there's a couple of things that you can take on board, and I'm sure your doctor would approve of what I'm going to say. The first thing to appreciate is that cholesterol reduction can occur by a simple modification of your diet in favour of increasing the amount of what's called soluble fibre. Now, soluble soluble fibre is available in herbs like psyllium, uh, metamucil, slippery elm. These are herbs that are renowned for the fact that when they go through your system, what they tend to do is, is mop up. That's a good way of putting it. Mop up, if you, mop up, if you like, uh, cholesterol that's in the gastrointestinal tract. There's a good scientific explanation of how this is done, but suffice it is to say to you that if you were to take, say, 10 to 15 grams of soluble fibre on a daily basis, now it must be seen as a ritual. It's no use doing it occasionally. If you're going to be serious about using food and diet to reduce your cholesterol, you have to see it as a discipline. So 10 to 15 grams on a daily basis of soluble fibre, whether that be psyllium, metamucil, slippery elm, that's up to you. But if you were to do that regularly, that would have some impact on bringing your cholesterol level down. That's principle number one. Principle number one. Now, secondly, there are a group of substances called phytosterols. Now, these are substances that are even creeping into the food chain in, in as much that some of the spreads that uh, we put on our bread are claimed to have significant quantities of phytosterols. But phytosterols have the effect of lessening the, the reuptake of cholesterol as it passes through your system because listeners are probably not aware of the fact that uh, a lot of cholesterol, and I'm talking simply here, is reabsorbed across the bowel wall back into the circulation. If you use phytosterols, uh, particularly in a supplement form, I recommend a tablet or a capsule that contains phytosterol, what you actually do is lessen the reabsorption of cholesterol. So there's a cred- there is a credible basis for actually doing that. Those two yes. things on their own. Now, also, the third member of the team um, is a well-known herb known as globe artichoke. Globe artichoke is is actually a vegetable, but Australians don't seem to eat it. And interestingly, the part of the globe artichoke that works best in reducing cholesterol is, in fact, the leaf. And so what you would be required to do, and it's fairly easily procured, is to go to your health food store uh, or a a naturopath anywhere and get hold of, uh, say, half a kilo of globe artichoke leaf and make a couple of cups of globe artichoke tea per day. Now, it's, right. it's very bitter. It's meant to be bitter because listeners might be interested to know that bitter-tasting foods generally have the effect of causing an improvement in liver and gallbladder function, and that frequently interprets into a gradual reduction of cholesterol in the bloodstream. 
So right. not only for you, but I reiterate this again to listeners out there that are wanting to help their cholesterol level come down, think of the, of the techniques that we've talked about this morning. The use of soluble fibre, phytosterols, and globe artichoke as a tea form. Now, that's not expensive, and it's something that you can do yourself. I suggest that you owe it to your medical practitioner to let him know what you're doing so that he can regularly monitor your level and see that the treatment is working for you. Right, that sounds pretty good to me. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you very much, Leonie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for your call, Leonie. And uh, Greg has rung in uh, from Elibana and Carpal Tunnel is on your mind, Greg. Yes, good afternoon. Hello, Greg. How are you? In a a bit of pain, are you? Oh, yes, a little bit. I've been diagnosed with it and had the um, electronic test sort of thing. Yes. Uh, Left hand is severe and my right hand is moderate. Okay. Look... Uh, there, the, over the years, I've mentioned a little technique here which uh, has helped a number of people. All, always I preface my comment on, on this by saying that there is a point at which only the surgical approach would be appropriate. But, yeah. but for people that are unable to succumb to a surgical procedure uh, or whose condition is early and are wanting to do something be, to, to, to perhaps curtail the drift towards surgery. In Pizzorno and Murray's book, now, why do I mention this? Pizzorno and Murray are America's two uh, leading naturopathic doctors. In the, right. uh, in the US, uh, naturopathy or naturopathy is a registered modality and doctors over there qualify as doctors of naturopathy. Now, Pizzorno and Murray, in my opinion, are two of the best known um, practitioners in the US from a medical background and they wrote a book entitled The Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine. I'm only mentioning this because people might want to know where I got the reference from this for this little treatment. Well, yeah, I, got the, I got the reference from their excellent uh, book that I've used both in practice and as a book to lecture from in my lecturing career. And in that, there is a treatment for carpal tunnel which emphasises the importance of B-group vitamins Ah, but the, the B group vitamins, particularly vitamin B6. B6. B6 is known as pyridoxin, but you write it down as just vitamin B6. Uh, high doses of vitamin B6. Don't hold me to it. If you were to ring my rooms after I uh, finish this, they will give you the exact quantity. But I think I'm right in saying that Pizzorno and Murray, Murray recommend a daily intake, a minimum daily intake of vitamin B6 in conjunction with in conjunction with uh, a high potency b complex vitamin oh, as well b so complex b complex vitamin as well the point being here the b group vitamins seem to work best when they're combined albeit in this case vitamin b6 is the one that is considered to be the one that initiates a lot of the reduction in fluid build up uh, here that's behind this condition so right. i say it again High doses of vitamin B6 accompanied by high doses also, perhaps in a separate tablet, high doses right. of vitamin B complex. Now, um, the good thing about that is that vitamin B is a very, very safe vitamin. And even though those levels are, if you like, above the recommended daily average, um, they're very safe, the B vitamins, and they're very quickly eliminated 
from our system, unlike other vitamins such as vitamins A, D, E and K. The B okay. vitamins are safe, high doses. But, Greg, uh, I would have one of my um, staff on duty at my rooms in New Lambton, ring them, ask them to go to the, the textbook in my room. They know where it is. We use it all the time. And get, okay. the, get the recommended levels of the B group that I've mentioned. I'm pretty sure I'm on the money when I give you those doses. Now, Greg, if you... How does this work with the nerve, Dennis? Okay, what it actually what it actually does is lessen a lot of the fluid build-up that compresses the nerve. Okay. Yeah, now, okay. if you'd like to get the number, then Sally will give it to you in just a moment. I'll put you back on hold. Okay, thank you. Okay, Greg, thanks for your call. And, uh, Dennis, I'm thinking that... Um, we might have a chance to talk about the topic. We, we were said going to we do would. that. We were Homeopathy. going to do it. Let me say it quickly, Jane. Okay. Look, I said to you earlier when we were talking in the foyer that of all the so-called complementary therapies, or some call them alternative therapies, homeopathy is the one that's most medically practiced around the world. And at a time when many complementary therapies are copying it. Um, the interesting thing is that this most controversial of the complementary therapies is in fact medically practised. And this might surprise a lot of people because homeopathy in recent times has been getting a bad press and it's important to know that uh, a number of things that many doctors in this country practise homeopathy and have done a postgraduate program at the homeopathic hospital in Great Ormond Street in London and combine homeopathic medicine with their own medical modality. It's important for people to know that this is not just a modality that is practised by non-medical people. Uh, Some of my greatest colleagues, uh, medical colleagues, have been great homeopaths. Now, homeopathy was developed by an Austrian physician, Dr Samuel Hanneman, in the late 18th and early 19th century, and he rediscovered the principle that like can cure like. That is... Something that can cause uh, symptoms of an illness can frequently be that which can cure similar symptoms to that illness. For instance, if if someone breaks out in hives, in homeopathy, the hive would be seen as being something that could be resolved by prescribing a remedy known as urtica, which is the technical name for stinging nettle because stinging nettle, as anyone knows, uh, can cause hives if one comes in contact with it. Ah, so skin conditions that are characterised by wheels, by urticarial lesions on the skin, can frequently be lessened or relieved by the application of the homeopathic remedy known as urtica. So like cures like, not always, but by gee, in many cases. And of course, that is controversial enough Uh, But the other controversial uh, thing about homeopathy is that it works by prescribing medications in very, very minute amounts. And the critics of homeopathy say that the level of active chemistry in some of the preparations is so small that it would be impossible for them to initiate any therapeutic benefit. My experience over many, many years, both in using homeopathy and in teaching it, has been that that is contradicted every day of the week in practice. To give you an example, and listeners would be fascinated by this, in my rooms yesterday I had an elderly lady who is, is, is an, a nurse at a well-known hospital and she has been experiencing some fairly significant 
adverse symptoms associated with the menopause. The main symptom is just an incredible sense of heat that overwhelms her. Not necessarily perspiration, but a great deal of heat and flushing. Now, she had tried uh, a mainstream medicine, and it wasn't for her because uh, she has a history of, of breast conditions where using hormonal therapy might not be the way to go. She could use some over-the-counter preparations, and some of them are very, very good indeed. Uh, One that I recommended normally helps, but it didn't help at all. So yesterday I prescribed to her a remedy called Sanguinaria in what's called a 6X potency. Now that is a very, very, very dilute form of the herb Sanguinaria, also known as bloodroot. Over the last couple of weeks, her condition has entirely resolved and the homeopathic remedy has done something that no other remedy has been able to do for her. And you might say, oh, that's all in the lady's head. Let me put it to you, uh, the flushing and the heat might have been in the lady's head, but this is an intelligent, medically trained lady who was astute enough to know if something is helping her. So there, that remedy, that potentized remedy, a low dose of that herb, which, if one uses it, can cause incredible flushing of the skin, that herb, in a low dose, in a diluted preparation, based on Hanneman's discovery of like cures like, very economically, let me emphasise, very economically reverse those lady symptoms. That's magnificent. Mm. We are talking health, health naturally, for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, and um, we'll be taking your calls, 49216216, and also there's more to say about home. We've got a lot more to say. <laughs> while, we're, while we're waiting for um, Greg to come on, I think, it might interest um, fellow practitioners, medical and, and naturopathic out there, to know that in my experience, uh, homeopathic remedies work remarkably well for children. Uh, remarkably well. I saw a little girl in Cessnock. Or she'd be about four or five. And little kids are reluctant to taste uh, or take nasty herbal medicine. And this little kid was riddled riddled with what we call infantile eczema. Very, very nasty condition. She'd had it basically since since birth. And uh, she had a lot of cradle cap when she was born. And that's usually the hint for this particular remedy. And um, I saw the little uh, lass, her grandmother, uh, brought her along to see me. And... um, I prescribed what any homeopath would probably prescribe if they knew their stuff, the herb viola tricolour. Now, viola tricolour grows in our gardens because, let me say again, homeopathy involves a lot of herbs, although it can involve other substances. I'll give examples of those later. But viola tricolour is also known as heart's ease uh, or tricoloured pansy. And when I see it growing, I always grab a bundle of it because I make a lot of my own homeopathic remedies. And homeopathic remedies, in a sense, prefer to be based on fresh plant. So if if you've got a bed of viola tricolour and you want it harvested, please contact my rooms. I'll happily come and get rid of it for you and turn it into, into medicine. Well, this little lass um, uh, took the preparation and between consultations within one month... Her severe, severe, well, you know what, what kids' eczemas are like. The eczema entirely cleared, and this was a potency of 3X. That means a very, 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 very dilute preparation, a viola tricolour tincture, saw that little girl's condition resolve in one month. 
So people say, oh, you know, it's all in their head. Here's a little girl. She no psychosomatic reading into this. She had eczema. And the critics out there say, we've got to get rid of homeopathy. It's got to be put out of our pharmacies. We don't want to practice this. Hang on, here's someone here, uh, I'm happy to say, who's been using homeopathy for 40 years and can vouch for the fact that in selected cases it works magnificently. Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And uh, Rita, you've got a comment to make about homeopathy. Yes, yes, I would like to make a comment, a positive comment, because I've been just listening to the program about what Dennis talked about in regards to homeopathy and how people are, well, people, authorities are trying to get rid of it in a way. Now, I'm from Switzerland originally, so Dennis would know that in all those countries, homeopathy has been there forever and is highly respected, highly regarded, every pharmacy has two sections, a homeopathic section section and a conventional section. Most of the doctors are into, practically every doctor is into homeopathy plus the conventional medicine Mm. because they know that it works Mm. and they know it's scientific and it's proven and I have used homeopathy when I went through menopause, and I had a terrible time, like my mother, and um, it, I was here in Australia, so it was very difficult at the time, but I was lucky enough to find a trained homeopath in Sydney, a lovely lady, and it did take us two years to help me through it, because I got, I'm extremely sensitive, and I can't have strong doses. Mm. Some of the the remedies that she prescribed to me, I was only able to actually breathe it in briefly. Mm. They were so potent. Mm. Others highly diluted in water, mm. maybe one drop or two drops. Mm. It took time to get me through this, this phase, but it did get me through, and various other areas that I was suffering from, like um, candida through my whole yes. body, yes. whereas conventional medication just made matters worse. Yes. And homeopathy helped me through all this, and it was the best thing that I could have ever had. And I I really feel very sorry that authorities, out of whatever misguided reasons, want to get rid of homeopathy. Thank you, Rita. Your your comments uh, are are very uh, well taken here, I can assure you. It might interest you to know, Rita, that most of my lecturing on homeopathy, uh, and I was one of the first teachers of it 40 years ago, most of my lecturing was based on European texts. I found, I found particularly uh, the French interpretation of homeopathy to be a profoundly understandable and reasonable way of practising it. And I remember there was a, a French medical practitioner known as Dr. E.A. Maury, uh, and I consider that man to this day to be a genius in his understanding of homeopathy. He wrote a number of uh, books, uh, Homeopathy for Children, and he wrote another book called Drainage in Homeopathy. Uh, these were works that were medical texts translated into English, uh, which, in my opinion, grounded homeopathy in a credible, credible medical way. And I'm sad that literature like this is being overlooked by the critics of homeopathy 
whom I'm sure, if they were to read the European interpretation of homeopathy, would perhaps come round to a different opinion. Rita, it's lovely to have your comment. Mm. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Margaret has rung in from Edgeworth. Margaret, your problem. Yes, uh, good evening. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Dennis. Uh, I do have a problem. I'm in my 80s and yes. um, like I, I'm up three or four times through the night to yes. go to the toilet yes. and uh, it sort of makes a, a sad, slow day <laughs> start there each day and yes. uh, I think it does affect you mentally as well at of times. Of course it does. Uh, remembering things yeah, and stuff does. like that. So, yes, yeah, so I'm just wondering if you've got something that may so, help. So you, you get up frequently at night to urinate? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Now look, what I'm going to say here might sound a little bit left field because yeah. the, the herb that I'm going to mention um, mm. is, is uh, frequently uh, used uh, in the management of, of prostate conditions. Where, right. where one of the problems is, of course, nocturnal frequency. Now, you're obviously mm-hmm. not a male, so you wouldn't have a prostate gland. But, but what people don't realise is that saw palmito, uh, as it's known, as a herb, easily procured anywhere, can be applied to urinary frequency regardless of whether right. it's male or female. In fact, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the great Dr. Rudolf Weiss, the German uh, medical practitioner and great herbalist that he was, uh, whose literature I've lectured from all my life and still refer to, he referred to uh, saw palmito as being the natural catheter. Now, what did he mean by that? He meant that here was a, a, a herb that improved the flow and the output of urine and, and, and overcome the need to frequently get up to urinate. It was not just for male. It was not just for female. Its ability to improve the whole urinary output is applicable both to male and female. So what I would suggest you do is mm-hmm. harness saw palmito. It can be obtained in Could any... Could you spell ca- that for me? Yes, S- S-A-W. S-A-W. P-A-L-M. P-A-L-M. E-double-T-O. E-double-T-O. Right. So... Try that. It's not an expensive yeah. herb. It's not right. an expensive herb. I make no guarantees or promises, but I know yeah. I know it has helped quite a yeah. lot of people, male and female, have a, a better performance at night. Yes, I, I have a lot of pain sometimes yes. with uh, with the urgency to yes. get the food, like you know, at the you know very strong when when I need to go like it's almost instantly and yes. um yeah so well, you, it's you, 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 you you probably have what the Europeans would call irritable bladder syndrome now saw palmito is a useful herb uh, to address that but there are other remedies that uh, could could be used there to right. to le- to lessen the irritability have you used herbs by the way like cranberry Oh, look, I have cranberries every day. No, but <laughs> I, again, I start let, the day off, yeah, right. with cranberries let, let, for breakfast. Let me just say that, yeah. that, that cranberry is a useful uh, medical herb to address multiple <laughs> bladder and urinary tract symptoms. Now, taking, right. taking cranberry as, as something on your cereal is great, but if you, mm. wa- if you want to challenge it or try it as a, yeah. means, of, a means of lessening the irritability of, of the right. bladder and the bladder wall, you need to take it in a, in a therapeutic form and you, right. you would be again able to uh, purchase this 
from your right. local health food store, uh, yeah. a, a good high potency preparation of cranberry in a tableted yeah. form in conjunction mm-hmm. with saw palmito. Look, I could have made your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could. Thank you. And uh, going back to that uh, soil pollen yeah, measure, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you take that? Like, it's a capsule. It it's a, in cap- a capsule. You can oh, get it in multiple okay. forms, but it comes as a capsule and it's reasonably yeah. priced. It's reasonably right. priced. Something. Okay, I will be visiting your store at Warner's Bay. See, <laughs> see, well, it's not my store, but they're good people and they stock the things yeah. that I reckon. Rick has rung in from Kurenbong. Now, after cancer treatment, Rick, you've had problems with taste. Yeah, thank you, and good afternoon. Um, I'm on the road, but I'm Bluetoothing, so I hope you can hear me okay. Yes, I, I, I was diagnosed with throat cancer um, a couple of years ago and underwent radiation treatment, and I just haven't got my taste back. Um, and I, I, I'm just wondering if there's anything that might assist me in, 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 in sort of encouraging... Um, there's no forecast on if and when it may come back, so I'm just looking for all sorts of avenues to try and stimulate okay. uh, some taste again. Okay. Look, in, in herbal medicine, herbs that are known as bitters, B-I-T-T-E-R-S, are usually thought of as agents that can promote appetite and even can promote taste. Have you still got a, a sense of saliva in your mouth? No, it's, I, okay. I basically, it's just mucus and, okay. um, yeah, okay. lots of saliva. Well, well, bitters would be something that I would think about straight away, and that could be something as simple as using what I referred to earlier, as, say, some globe artichoke tea or, dan- yes. or, or dandelion leaf tea, which you can even get from the supermarket. They are yep. ve- they're very bitter-tasting herbs, which are renowned for regenerating appetite and prom- promoting salivary activity. Uh, think of that. Um, the, there are a number of other uh, homeopathic remedies that come to my mind. My daughter, if she was here, would immediately think of the homeopathic remedy known as Nux Vomica, N-U-X-V-O-M-I-C, Nux Vomica. Right. Now, Nux Vomica, uh, in a crude form, is, is toxic. But when it's taken in a homeopathic form, in what's called a 6C potency, right, 6C beside it, it's one of the most favourite homeopathic remedies that is used to address taste uh, and appetite problems. Um, It's inexpensive. It could be procured from a homeopathic pharmacy. Uh, Both those approaches, using bitter-tasting herbs as herbal teas and using the homeopathic potency known as Nux Vomica in nothing less than a 6C potency, if I was in your situation, I'd be happy to give that a go. Well, look, thank you for that because one of the other, well, one of the side issues is just lack of appetite um, and and that hasn't really risen up again uh, to where it was previously and so it's probably very much interconnected. So, look, thank you for that. We'll we'll, we'll give it a try. We're we're happy to try anything to to stimulate something. Of course. Well, the good thing about that, Rick, is both those preparations are inexpensive, uh, readily obtained. If you can't obtain them, you can always get back to the switchboard here and they will tell you where where you can get hold of them. Excellent. Thanks for your call and all the very best with that, Rick. And Matty has rung in from Anna Bay and we're talking about headaches now, Matty. Tell me about your headaches. Are they with you all the time or are they... Pre- I have this all the time. I talk a lot of different medication. Yes. I saw a few times the neurologist. Yes. Recently, I had a Botox injection. Yes. And actually, it is, uh, unfortunately, my eyes is affected. Yes. 
Look, what I suggest you do here, and this is a long shot, because I know a lot about headaches, and there are headaches and headaches and headaches, and uh, w- there is no one remedy, in my opinion, that addresses all headaches. But I'll mention a few herbs that I frequently use to address headaches. The first one is the herb called Feverview. F-E-V. Sorry? The first herb is Feverview. F-E-V- Feverview. F-E-V-E-R. F-E-W. Feverview. Oh, fever few. Yeah, that that is a good herb. I use that frequently for migraines. The other herb is called skullcap. Skull, skull. Skullcap, which speaks for itself. Many herbs have funny names, but they're usually named after conditions. Uh, so in this case, skullcap refers to the head. One can say it's been used in treating headaches. Not far wrong with that. So there are two herbs. Um, the other one is not easy to get. It's a herb called wood betony. W O O D B E T O N Y. W. W O O D Wood. Wood. Betony. B E T O N Y. Betony. Wood. Betony. Wood. Betony. B E T. Yes. Now there are three herbs. You go to your health food store up there in Nelson Bay. I know the people there. They run a good shop. Talk to them about those herbs. I'm sure they'll be able to help you with them. It doesn't affect. Uh, if you're taking aspirin? Uh, those herbs, or look, if you're going to take them and you're taking other medication, it would be wise for you to mention that to your doctor or to a pharmacist. Uh, okay, yeah. Oh, very good, and all the very best with that, Matty, and uh, well, we hope you get a good result out of that. It's five to one. We've still got a couple of moments, Dennis. So, um Homeopathy, we were talking mm-hmm. about that. Now, you've talked about some homeopathic remedies based on herbs. herbs yeah. Are there other Absolutely. remedies? Absolutely. This is the controversial and fascinating thing about homeopathy, that whilst herbs play an important part in it, uh, minerals, for instance, play an important part in it, and so do uh, insects play an important part in it. To give an example, petroleum. If you work in industry, um, years ago, people used to wash their greasy hands in petroleum. It was a good way of getting your hands clean. Unfortunately, what that led to was many, many skin conditions. What we know is that petroleum can cause some sort of skin conditions, usually characterised by dryness, splitting and weeping. One of the most important homeopathic remedies for treating many skin conditions, particularly the hands where there's cracking, splitting and weeping, is a homeopathic preparation based on petroleum. I use petroleum 6C and have reversed some of the most horrifying hand dermatitis conditions with a homeopathic preparation based on petrol. Now, I'm not saying to people, go and drink petrol because it's got to be a homeopathic preparation, but homeopathy uses remarkable things and I'm delighted to have had this chance of speaking about it. I'm a great defender of it. It's one of the first things I studied And I appreciated what Rita said today about the way in which in Europe it's just standard in pharmacies and medical practice. As an extra weapon. Absolutely. It hasn't got, Jane, it hasn't got all the answers. I'm the first to admit that. But it's one way of addressing the human condition. Mm, homeopathy like cures like and well you never know maybe there'll be some more homeopaths coming well you never know you never know no we're almost ready to go not quite Um, but yeah how widely do you think it's accepted medically homeopathy outside of Australia or outside of what I call Anglo countries it's, 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 it's probably 
so widely accepted that to see it as a, as a minor system of healing would be unjust. In Asian countries, particularly India, anyone from India knows of homeopathic medicine. I did my first studies in homeopathy online or by correspondence in those days from India. Uh, in the UK, it is well known. It is well known, as I said to you in the, in the foyer, Her Majesty the Queen, and I'm a great fan of the monarchy, God bless the Queen, uh, Her Majesty the Queen carries round homeopathic remedies and has her own homeopathic doctor, so I'm told. There is the major teaching institution in English-speaking countries in England. Mm. It is fair to say Anglo countries are the ones that haven't got the most homeopaths, but there are a lot of Anglo doctors practising homeopathy. Thank you very much, Dennis Stewart and homeopathy. Very interesting. We'll be back next Friday after the Midday News on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>